Right, episode three. Yeah, we took a while. Get over it. Um, today we're going to be reviewing the US Grand Prix and talking about a bit of what's been happening in between while we've been away. And also, um, we're going to start off actually with something different. So we're going to start off with the winner of our competition, whereby we asked you on our Instagram to, to pick a name, submit a name for our podcast, and whoever won would uh, would get some free merch. Not of ours, because we don't have that yet, but a cap off, uh, off the winning team this season. Or um, if they don't like that team, we, we might consider get, getting them someone else. So I'm going to read out the top three um, from from our followers that we really enjoyed, but there were some crackers in there. We just don't think they're necessarily the best. So we had Valtteri's Porridge, which is hilarious, but I don't think it um, suits a podcast name. I think we'll start off with the top three. So in third place, we had the AAF1 debrief, which got a few likes. Um, in second place, we had from Will Wilson, the podium pod, which we thought was great. But the winner is SZXO, or username just S, and that is F1 Lights Out. So we're going to edit that slightly because I don't think we can pop F1 in straight away, but we're going to definitely have Lights Out. That is the podcast name for at least the remainder of this season, so that gives you five races worth of spotlight. And you'll also win a cap. Congratulations. Um, no doubt will be a highlight of your year. And... Um, We'll, we'll get cracking with the podcast, but thanks again for all the entries. We appreciate it. We know we somewhat fell away um, in the past few weeks, but we're back on it. We're back and back strong. That is the name of the podcast. Welcome back to episode three of AAF1's Lights Out podcast. Okay, let's run through practice and then we can get on to qualifying and then the race. In a headline, it seemed as though Mercedes kind of threw this race away at first glance but when you take a look at the circumstances that they were fighting I think it's more a combination that they were making do with a pretty shit track in terms of road surface but also Red Bull really came up trumps and they, they made some brave calls this weekend and, and they paid off so starting out in practice one it looked as though Mercedes were going to walk away with it because of their fancy new suspension which essentially changes the rake of the car so it can go from sitting quite high to sitting very low reducing drag on longer straights now in turkey that allowed them to get some serious speeds but in america it was somewhat limited however it was even further limited because they they had to completely disable it and rejig the suspension just to deal with how bumpy the road surface was there were some driver cams during the race, which where you could see the, the drivers, their heads were bobbling around because there, there just really was a poor road surface. So Mercedes kind of had to get rid of that and that hampered their performance. So you could see them going backwards in each practice session into quali and Red Bull getting faster. And that leads us into quali. Sergio Perez would have been hoping to get a pole position. Um, and until the final couple of laps, he really looked close to doing so. This was largely because of that, that gap in performance that Red Bull closed up. And then the two best drivers on the grid had their say. So 
Lewis Hamilton came in and pumped a fastest lap. He was slower in the first sector compared to Perez. I think it was a PB still, but it wasn't fast enough. And then he was 0.2 seconds faster in the second sector alone. So he squeezed out a pole position or a provisional pole. And then Max Verstappen, who was flawless the entire weekend, apart from the start of the Grand Prix, snatched pole position away. So a great, great time from him. And he led into this evening's, I guess, Grand Prix. We're recording this on a Sunday night. Now we start with the race. So at headline, pretty boring in some senses, very cagey, quite a tactical battle. And I think it was the strategists that won the race, really. But the, the main headline is just how far ahead in terms of performance Hamilton and Verstappen are compared to the rest of the grid. And I think that was underlined by the fact that Verstappen and Hamilton finished near enough 40 seconds ahead of Perez in third place and 52 seconds ahead of Leclerc in fourth place. So they pretty much lapped, well, they lapped everybody on the field up until eighth place where Norris was and they would have been closing in on him quite quickly so they really were far ahead and, and what happened well Hamilton took Verstappen into the first corner and I think his reaction time was 0 0.33 seconds compared to Verstappen's 0.3 seconds so 37 seconds and in that second phase of the launch he had a lot more traction Verstappen squeezed him onto the inside and Hamilton sort of bullied his way through and would you know it, these two can actually finally get along without crashing into each other, which is a nice change. However, Verstappen, Hamilton's sort of lead was kind of short-lived. He couldn't clear Verstappen, and Red Bull decided to go with the undercut. Mercedes left Hamilton out for, I think, seven or eight laps longer than they might have otherwise left him out. There's an argument to say that they left him out for a couple of laps too long, because by the time he came out onto his second stint, he was, I think, going on about seven seconds behind Verstappen at that point. So it was always going to be tricky for him to close that gap down completely. And uh, that was really shown by the end of the Grand Prix where he finished at 1.3 seconds behind and he was sort of stuck in that dirty air. So he closed up the gap pretty valiantly, but as has been the case for so long, and which is largely the reason for the 2022 regulations, he couldn't catch Verstappen in the end. So that was kind of the headline of the entire race. I suppose the question is then, you know, did they react too slowly for that second stop? Should they have brought Hamilton in a bit sooner? Arguably, yes. You know, it would have been good for him to have probably a couple of more laps there where he could have tried to get in the DRS zone. He probably would have overtaken Verstappen if he could, but perhaps it's, it's all nice to say that now it's Monday morning or Sunday evening quarterbacking. And, and it would have been, you know, it would have been easy, would have, could have, should have. So that was kind of the story of Hamilton and Verstappen's race. Third place, Perez, respectable. Um, he obviously started in that third and finished in that third place. He wasn't really ever in the races, um, but he, he did well to hang on to that podium with Leclerc increasingly catching him towards the end in fourth. Danny Rick started to get his act together and then finished in fifth. Um, and Bottas in sixth, Bottas started ninth, so he, he picked up three places. I think his sort of purple patch after signing for Alfa Romeo has somewhat slowed down. Bottas just can't do as much in a car compared to Hamilton. And 
like Hamilton, he struggled behind Sonoda for a few laps, but he, he really did, did struggle behind Sainz. I think he only overtook him in the final couple of laps of the Grand Prix. So Bottas in sixth, pretty much where he deserved to be. He he qualified in fifth in qualifying, so or fourth rather, I think. So he was, he was around about there. Other notable performances, Vettel storming from the back of the back of the grid and finishing in 10th, grabbing that points position. And I think that was pretty much it. It was a pretty boring Grand Prix in terms of notable performances. An honourable shout-out has to go out to Charles Leclerc. I think he is pretty much the unsung hero of the grid for the entire year. He keeps putting that Ferrari in places where it shouldn't be. And I think that really, really shows again with his fourth place. Okay, discussion topics. First one is that Max drove brilliantly. He was great in qualifying, particularly given that he didn't really have as many qualifying simulation laps as the other drivers. And even after he lost the lead on the first lap, he squeezed out some pretty scintillating laps on the undercut to protect his race victory, really, and, and gain back that great position. So he, he really did well in that respect. Another notable aspect was Fernando Alonso just being all over the place. So first of all, squeezing Kimi Raikkonen off the track and they both lost a bit of carbon fibre for their troubles. And then eventually outbreaking himself into overtaking Giovinazzi and then taking that position off the grid, which he eventually had to give back. And then Giovinazzi did the same thing and had to give it back. So Alonso was in the wars this weekend. He is skirting very close to the edges of the rules, as has been noted in the previous few races. And um, yeah, he's he's just off doing his own thing, isn't he? That's, I think that's the best way you can, you can put it down to Alonso. And I think that was pretty much it. Apart from um, a couple of the sort of other notable aspects to this Grand Prix, which I think include really the race surface, which... There's, there's got to be a question asked. Do you retain these surfaces, knowing what they do to the cars and saying, right, that's a challenge the teams have to face? Or do you just give the cars an optimal track for racing? We've had some interesting incidents in the past. Vettel's coming off, I think, going into maybe turn 18 and breaking his suspension in the previous few years for Ferrari. Um, and then today we just had drivers, I think Gasly's suspension was gone. Fernando Alonso suffered some rear wing damage, um, though I can't remember exactly why that was. But the, that track surface really has to be redone, and that's that's just I think that's going to be done for the MotoGP race, but it certainly has to be redone um, in any time for next year. Right, we fired out a segment to you guys on our Instagram stories saying, suggest some podcast topics. And I think there's two which have come up which are particularly interesting. One being dirtier and the second one being Red Bull's development push. So let's start out with the first one from Will Wilson. Dirty air was the, was the topic. And I think we've got a, got a few things to discuss on that. First of all, what is it? Second, what has it meant for this year's racing? And third, you know, what are the benefits of the supposed sort of changes for next year. Well, on the first point, no doubt most of you will know, dirty air is really the, the air that comes off of the back of the car in front of you. 
And that can sound a bit counterintuitive because on the one hand, you're saying, right, well, if you follow very quickly behind a car directly, you can get a slipstream, slipstream as they punch a hole in the air and your car has less resistance. But what dirty air is referring to is that hot air that's coming off the car and they're off their engines as the cars really punch that hole through the air. And, and if they're turning in many directions, your car is being offset by the different channels of airflow that are hitting the car. That's the first part. The second part is as that hot air comes towards your car, it's also offsetting your tires, overheating them. And third, it's overheating your engine as well, because you're running not in cool, free air. You're running behind somebody else's hot air, which is coming off their car. So that's what it is. What has it meant for racing? Well, I think some really key examples were seen in today's race. First of all, the obvious one being that as soon as Hamilton closed up towards Verstappen in the end of the race, he couldn't get any closer than about a second. I think if you'd given him three or four more laps, he would have made that overtake. But you've got to ask yourself, what is the point of murdering yourself and your car, getting all of those fast laps in just to surrender that, that chase right at the end because you're being hit by that hot air? Another and, and quite a dramatic example was Valtteri Bottas following Carlos Sainz through that section of really fast turns in, in the first sector. You could see a lot of snap as he was trying to turn and, and keep control of his car while staying close to Carlos Sainz. That is, of course, a challenge that drivers have to negotiate. That's their job as the best drivers in the world. But you've got to ask yourself, how much is that hampering racing? So obviously, we know going into next year that the Formula One cars will be changing their shape and the FIA has set in some new regulations with a view towards making this situation go away a bit. So the idea is cars will be able to follow behind each other a lot more closely. We're not really going to know what the full effect of that are until you know the season starts next year. But Will, I think one thing we can say is after today's race, we're a lot happier if we can get to 2022 sooner because Right now, it is quite boring knowing that you're going to get to the end of a race and it doesn't really matter how close you are, you need an advantage of 1.5, 2 seconds to be able to get through that dirty air barrier just to be able to chance an overtake. And that really, really hampered what could have been some outstanding overtaking action and, and battling between Verstappen and Hamilton, who gave us evidence really in the race that they were capable of racing hard but fair. And that was a big question mark going into the race. But on t at turn one, they showed us that look, we're more than capable of doing that. And I think the fans were somewhat robbed of that. So I think that kind of closes off the dirty air topic for now. But it is a concern going forward. Looking forward to the next few races, Mexico has a couple of large straights and then a couple of chicanes. I don't think dirty air will be as much of an issue there. But certainly in America. And then, and you're, then you're looking at race tracks, you know, later on down the line in Abu Dhabi, it might be an issue in the first sector. But again, we've got a couple of big straights in the second sector. But then again, in the third sector, you're going to be thrown off with all of those fast corners. So dirty air will continue to be a topic until 2022. And then it will become an even bigger one next year, arguably, as we look to see whether actually we've gotten rid of this issue. Um, yeah, that kind of covers off dirty air we feel but but get back at us comment on our posts and let us know what you think linked to dirty air we, we come of course onto our third topic which is 
Will Red Bull struggle next season with most of their development being prioritized for this year? That comes from M underscore zero five five. So that's an interesting question. Red Bull have clearly thrown a lot behind their development into 2021. It's unclear as to just how much they've prioritized, but what is clear is that they've really bridged that gap. So much so that Mercedes really had to react in the second half of this year and bring some power unit upgrades. The fruits of which we've been seeing on the straights in 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 I mean the circuit for circuit of Americas this week, but of course even in in Budapest. It's difficult to know whether they'll struggle until, of course, we get there. But one thing is for sure: there is an I there is a sort of feeling that they're going for broke this year. Um, I think that there will be a rebuilding phase with their engine, and that shows because they've been well, they're taking over Honda Productions, but they've also headhunted several key employees from Mercedes so you've, you've got this balancing act they've of course been focusing on development for next year as much as they will have needed to but they are kind of going for broke this year what's the consequence of that for 2022 well Red Bull aren't stupid they know that the 2022 season gives them a big chance to offset the balance of how Formula One has been looking in the hybrid era so far they've got a really big chance to set a marker going forward, especially with engines being homologated for three years from next year. It's difficult to know just how much they'll struggle next season, if at all. But one thing is for sure for us, we think the ones to watch are Ferrari. Ferrari have really bridged that performance gap in the past few races, and they've not put too much focus into their car for 2021. So we think they're holding back on something that could be quite special next season. We think they're the ones to watch. Fernando asks, did Mercedes let Lewis down with the strategy? Well, he didn't ask. He thinks they did. So at first glance, you may look at that and think, well, no, Hamilton just got caught out by the dirty air. So if anything, they should have maybe pitted in one or two laps earlier. I think I'm in Fernando's corner on this one. Mercedes got really lucky with the traffic that Verstappen hit behind Sonoda and that little train there of cars. If he hadn't hit that, he wouldn't have lost four seconds in just as many laps. That would mean that Hamilton would have an awful lot more work to do with those tyres in order to catch Verstappen. So if anything, they kind of got to cover their, their sort of blushes a bit and, and walk away without looking like they really fucked up. But the situation, as far as we're concerned, is they kind of did. They pitted him a few laps too late, and that meant that even though Hamilton was taking out 0.3, 0.4 seconds a lap, it wasn't enough. I think around about lap 50, I messaged a few of my friends and, th and said, he needs to be taking out 0 0.5, 0 0.6 seconds a lap. He was not going to be doing that. And unfortunately for, for Lewis and for his fans, th that meant that he didn't really get close enough um, to Verstappen. I think it's tricky to tell in all of those different moments just when he's going to hit them. But Fernando, I think you're right. I think he did get pitted in a bit too late and, um, and that, that proved fatal, I think, for his race. The final thing we wanted to do today is do a little bit of a state of the nation on the podcast, why we've been away, um, why we've been so slow to do another episode. And, you know, 
what our predictions are for the rest of the races going forward. And then also, you know, some ideas as to how we might want to move the podcast going forwards. So on the first point, we've been away because we've been fuck off busy at work is the, is the thick and thin of it. Um, as, as discussed in previous episodes, me and Kay, we kind of keep our profile as to what we do outside of the podcast pretty low key. But um, if you follow the AAF1 stories, you, you might see that we're, we're out and about at all times of night. And, and that's largely because of how we pay the bills and, and keep the lights on and pay for recording software, which is just an iPad. And, and that's kind of been the story of why we've not gotten around to this so far. Um, we are trying to do our level best to get podcasts in and when we can, but when we say we've got full-time jobs, it's somewhat of an understatement, uh, or maybe it's apt in the very fullest sense of full-time. So that kind of explains why we've been away. In terms of predictions for going forward, we think Red Bull um, are going to win the next couple of races. I, th- I think the issue that Mercedes have is that if they were going to win the championship, they really needed to capitalise in Turkey and they really needed to capitalise in, uh, in, in America. And so they did in Turkey in the sense that Bottas won, but Hamilton was a bit far off where he eventually finished. And in, in America, Bottas was nowhere to be found. That is somewhat Bottas's fault because he just is really shit at coming through the field. But there is another aspect where that engine that they've made has not got the reliability that Honda's does. So if Red Bull come out on top, on top because Mercedes have to take more penalties, it's difficult to say that Red Bull haven't deserved that. In terms of the Drivers' Championship, as it stands, I think Max Verstappen will be taking the championship. I don't think that's necessarily, um, you know, there's, a, there's like, you know, there's an ill will when I say that. Of course, I'm a bit of a Hamilton fan, but Max has been flawless this season. You know, apart from maybe Monza, um, where, where he was, I think, definitely at fault for that crash into Lewis. Max hasn't really made any mistakes. He's been brilliant the entire season, and he's really growing into a great F1 driver. Now, of course, he should be. He's been in the, he's been in the sport for seven years now, and Hamilton in his seventh year was winning his second world championship with Mercedes. So Verstappen is kind of coming into that prime, albeit a lot earlier than uh, other drivers would. That's because he started so young, and if I'm honest, I, I'm not one of those people that's bowled over by his rate of progression. If my dad had me on the grid from when I was like one year old, one years old, and I was walking around kicking it with Michael Schumacher, and all I ever did was drive cars, I might be half good by the time I'm 18 too. So obviously he's a great driver, but um, I, I, I'm not like one of those people that's like completely bowled over by his talents. Um, I think, however, he's going to take the championship. I just think that he's driving brilliantly this year. Hamilton's made a few too many mistakes and Mercedes, while they've bridged that development gap, is probably a bit too late. Um, they really lost some ground earlier on in the championship. They started on the back foot. Perhaps they just didn't predict how much slower they would be with this low rake situation, but that's that's where I see the championship going. On the final point, what we want to do going forward, we really want this to be as interactive as, pos- interactive as possible. So if you have any thoughts, get in our DMs. Tell us, let us know what you want to talk about, and, and we'll, we'll get on to that. We also want to start branching out the podcast stuff into just sort of responding on stories more often. I think that might be a, a better way of getting towards you guys a bit more quickly. But one final thing is we just want to thank you all. Um, we don't really have any particular goals. 
for this. I think we've posted on that before. We're kind of just going with the flow, but um, we're building a tiny little community of people who sort of engage with us pretty regularly, and that's really weird. Um, it's it's kind of it's odd that people care, but we're grateful for it, and so we just wanted to say thank you wherever this goes, um, which we think it might come in some little merch packages later on. We just wanted to uh, to say thank you. So that's pretty much the third episode. Um, a big thank you to listening uh, for listening to our podcast. Of course, we've we've got our our new name, which is the AAF One Lights Out Podcast, and somebody is getting a hat. That won't be the only prize we give away. It won't be the only merch stuff that we're involved with before the end of the season. But until then, and until next time, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you on or you'll hear from us on the fifth episode. Fifth? Fourth? Who knows at this point? <laughs>